0: now have that business that I started when they were like two and four and a half five and a half they're now 21 and 24. Wow and so I just want to encourage the women and the moms out there but but the business I had today doesn't look like the business I started with. Correct. Okay so our business is morph and change just like we do as humans. Right. And I just want to encourage us all to be okay with that.
1: Right. And and you did this with small children because you're- Because
0: I chose to scale as they grew. Like I made a conscious decision. I could have gone back into corporate.
1: Mm -hmm. I could
2: have
0: made my six figures immediately.
2: Right. I could
0: have moved way up the corporate ladder. I mean, I had.
2: You're listening to the Kay Whitaker Podcast, created for boss moms and wives committed to slaying their family and professional goals. You could say this show is the intersection of being a good boss, mom, and wife, and doing them all on your own terms. Together, we'll have unfiltered conversations with moms from across the world about what it really takes to have the life we dream about. Our guests will share stories of triumph, fears, and challenges, and will empower us with their own perspectives on how we can navigate through our own challenges and conquer them to come out victorious on the other side. Our host, Kay Whitaker, is a successful entrepreneur currently running two businesses alongside her husband, Tim, while raising four children ranging in age from an infant to a very busy teenager while still making time for each other and the things in life that they both love. Kay has designed this show to be a safe place for honesty, vulnerability, and empowerment. To support one another as we boldly go after life's dreams, tear down old ideologies that keep us hostage, and as we pursue our own modern definitions of success. If you're an ambitious boss mom looking for a community that supports you while you continue to evolve into the woman that you and everyone else loves, then stick around, because you're already amongst a good group of girlfriends. Now, let's jump into today's episode.
1: Hey, hey, ladies! We are here, and I am really excited today because we're going to have a very necessary conversation today. Fun, but necessary. Uh, and I have invited Miss Michelle Williams here with to talk to us today because we're going to talk about your money, your money, money, money. Uh, we're going to talk about your profitability in a. Few different areas, not just the financial piece, uh, and we're going to have some real tough conversations and call some things to the carpet so that we can get better in this area. Uh, and just so you know, I invited Michelle because if you've been following me for any length of time, you know that my husband is the one that is the the money manager, and I have a more free spirit about the way finances go. Now we both own businesses. My husband still works a full time, but I do know how important money is. I have to balance a lot at home with the kids and with him. So there's a lot to manage. And my money is the tool that I use to be able to allow me to do the things that I think are important from a personal standpoint. So sometimes there's a tension between my husband and I, and I know if that is the case for us, that we are not alone. (laughs) And since we are not alone, we are going to bring in some professional help to help us talk through that. So that is what Michelle is going to help us do today. Yay! Welcome to the show, Michelle.
0: Hey, thanks so much, Kay. I really um, am excited to be here. And you're right, it's a very necessary conversation, but we're going to make it fun. It doesn't have to be weighty. It actually can be one that becomes empowering and allows us to have some control where maybe we might feel out of control.
1: love that. And Michelle's personality is very spunky. She's much like me. She's got a little feist to her. So I wouldn't dare bring you somebody that was going to put you to sleep. Don't run. Don't skip this episode. I'm going to watch the statistics. I will see if you fall off. (laughs) I might not be able to pinpoint you, but please don't don't leave us yet. (laughs) So Michelle, today we are talking about profitability in relationships. Uh, I know that that is something that you are a very well-versed person in, but before we get there, do you mind sharing with the audience just a little bit about yourself uh, as a mom and your business so that they can kind of get familiar with who you are before we get started? Sure, I would love to do that. So I started my career 30 years ago working in corporate America
0: and I worked for a software company and we built financial application software. So that's a lot of words to say. I built accounts payable, general ledger, project accounting, purchasing, almost like a QuickBooks uh-huh. but much larger scale. Oh wow. Okay. All right, so even bigger. I think IBM mainframes um, gotcha. oil, you know, pipelines in Dubai. Like that's the companies we served huge those were those were our clients and so we're building ginormous accounting systems wow I did that for 10 years and during that process I got married Mm -hmm. and I had two sons and so towards the end of that 10 years my oldest would have been three and a half and my youngest was one and our company got bought out and sold and you know, I was working at a very high level, so I was leaving early in the morning. Right. I'm taking the kids to preschool, almost yep. sometimes take, feeling like I'm dropping them off in their PJs, yep. bringing them home, switching them back to their PJs and putting them to bed. Yep. And I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and we don't have any immediate family. So I didn't have, like, grandparents or built-in babysitters. Right. It was just my husband and I. Okay. And so long story short, we had the kids in daycare. I'm working full-time, high-powered. He's doing the same thing. We have the same... So we're in the same, we were in the same field and it just got to be too much. And so my company got bought out 13 or 14 times that we had layoffs and and finally got bought out again. And at that point they were cutting out all the development. So I got sent packing the day before my son turned one year old. Are you serious? After 10 years of service. We had bought our house three weeks earlier with two, six income, two, six
1: figure incomes.
0: So the two of us both had six figures and we bought this house and three weeks later, mine was gone. Oh no. And so I called my husband and I'm like, I'm coming home. Now if I would be remiss if I did not tell you that there had been something in my heart telling me to go home. Right. For probably six to nine months, probably not long after I went back after maternity leave. Mm -hmm. I had this feeling, but I wouldn't walk away from the money. Mm. I wouldn't walk away from the comfort that that money gave me. If I'm being honest, that's just the truth of it.
1: I think that's relatable.
0: Okay. Mm. But somewhere deep in my heart and soul and spirit, I knew I was supposed to come home. Oh, wow. So, you know, that's a whole nother conversation my husband and I had because he was like, uh, excuse me, what, you what are mean? you doing? I,
1: yeah,
0: what are you doing? <laughs> and I just said, I really feel like God wants me to be home and raise these children. Okay. Oh, so he was like, you know, I know that he wants you to, but I'm really fighting it, but we'll make it work. Okay. So I came home, we started, um, I started working with the kids, you know, took them out of daycare, which was super expensive when yep. you get kids under two. I mean, they just like, it's like how we
1: wrong.
0: It was like a 25 or 30,000 yep. Yeah. we're talking 29 years ago. So it was a long time. Yep. Long story short, I came home, I started my own company. Okay. Doing custom window treatments and interior design. And I started that, um, in 2000. Uh-huh. And I started it when my kids were at mother's morning out, when they were in the, at preschool at any kind of church program, vacation, Bible school, like, <laughs> you, and I'm going to go sew, and I'm going to go work. And it literally was a tiny little area started in the sitting room of my bedroom. And I just made the decision. I was going to be mom and wife, and I was going to run a small business on the side, with the goal of just being able to cover the mortgage okay. so that if anything happened, I would take a little bit of weight off my husband's shoulders, So that's how it started. Okay. And then it started carrying on and people started calling me and it blew up. And over the years, I learned that I wasn't making any money. And that would give us a little smack in the face. <laughs> and I realized that I was serving other people in their third and fourth home mm-hmm. free because I wasn't making anything. And so it wasn't intentional. It was because right. I didn't look at it. I wasn't paying attention. Okay. So right. you were charging. You I just, was charging, okay, but I wasn't charging enough for all that I was doing and for the expenses that were coming into the yeah, company. We're coming out. There and at the end of the day, I was making all the bills, but I wasn't making a salary and I didn't have a profit gotcha. and, and all of those things. Gotcha. So my husband and I had a real honest discussion where I called him one day and thought, hey, he's going to be my girlfriend, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, he and he's like, oh, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> girl?" You are smart. I don't know what you're doing, but cut it out. Either get into business or get out.
1: Or get out. You
0: know, how dare you say that? That's the
1: conversation I I thought you said. I
0: was thinking thinking you were going to offer me chocolate, tell me to take a bath. And that's so not what you did. But what he did was he loved me past that. Right. right? I think he loved me me enough to tell i know he did because he cares for me so deeply just like your husband is super supportive of you yes the saying was you know how to do better do it right like look at your business this way and i sat down that day and asked myself am i going to be in business or am i going to be in hobby because i cannot do this middle ground thing right i can't call it a business and act like a hobbyist like a hobby Right. All right. So I went through and defined what does a business look like? What do business owners do? Do they, they have hours? They have a mission. They have a vision. They have all these things. Right. And I thought, which pieces am I missing? Which mm-hmm. do I have? Which pieces do I need to note on paper so that I feel like I have a backbone? Right. So it's not just what I think, but it's written. So it must be true. Like right. face must be true if it's out there, right? It's
1: on the so, internet. <laughs> so,
0: right. Anyway, all that to say, I got my stuff together. And I started making money. And then I started teaching other people in small businesses and creative businesses how to make money and how to price custom items and custom work. Because a lot of what we do on the interior design side is extremely custom. Yes, it is. And I started doing all the math formulas and teaching them how to do that and how to read an income statement and all those things. And then over the years, my business morphed and changed. I bought a company, sold a company, did a bunch of stuff, put out a magazine every other month for four years, hosted monthly education in the industry. So I've been around doing this for a long time.
1: And then in 2013,
0: I started a coaching firm so that I could teach creatives how to know their numbers, how to look at their numbers, how to make money, how to pay their taxes, how to put money in retirement, how to make all that passion and business and all the stuff that we're doing that we love to do, how to make it work for us instead of us being slave to all of it.
1: Absolutely.
0: Let it work for us instead of us working for it.
1: I love it. So really quickly, you said something. You said that once you got your stuff together, you started to make money. And I know that we're going to define that, but For some people, they might be saying, oh, well, I'm charging what I'm worth or what I think I'm worth. So on the front end, I'm making money. But correct me if I'm wrong. When you say making money, we're looking after all of everything is covered, yourself, your employees, your expenses, everything after that, what's left over for the business. Is that right? That's right. Okay.
0: So- so let's talk about that for just a second, but I want to segue back one minute okay. and make this comment because you had asked about my family, my kids. So I've been married to my sweetheart for 29 years.
1: Ooh,
0: gosh. We now have that business that I started when they were like two and four and a half, five and a half. They're now 21 and 24. Wow. And so I just want to encourage the women and the moms out there, but, but the business I have today doesn't look like the business I started with. Correct. OK, so our businesses morph and change just like we do as humans. Right. And I just want to encourage us all to be OK with that.
1: Right. And, and you have did this with small children because you're. Because I
0: chose to scale as they grew. Like okay. I made a conscious decision. I could have gone back into corporate. Mm-hmm. I could have made my six figures immediately. Right. I could have moved way up the corporate ladder. I mean, I had it and I knew it. Right but I made the decision that I wanted to, to build strong humans. I love the shirt you have on today. Like I can see it. Nobody
1: else can read. <laughs> my,
0: my thought process was if I can give back to the world to men who are well adjusted, who love the Lord, who love people and can can make an impact on society, that's worth more than any amount of money that I can make in corporate.
1: That's empowering, Michelle, because I think a lot of times, myself included, you know, and the first episode, if you guys go back and listen, you kind of hear me mention it. And and we talk about it a little bit at the beginning of the podcast. I was so caught up just even a year ago with making sure that, okay, I'm a mom. That's one compartment, but I've got this business. That's another compartment. And this has to do like, I've always done six figures. So this has to do this because this is the business that I have. And if I'm not doing this right here, and I'm not successful over here as a mom. And there was a lack of balance, which completely yeah. threw me off. And then right. a lot, and then, not to mention, you know, when you get that way, you're not spending time in your devotionals. You're not really seeking the help that you need to seek from God. So you're kind of taking on those responsibilities. It's pride. It's but literally it's pride. Very much pride. right. And so one
0: of the things that when we talk about profitability and we'll talk about the net profit question that you asked, but I want to kind of get us there by saying, I think in every Ecclesiastes says that in every there's a season for everything. everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in whatever season that our listeners are in right now, I want them to define what that looks like for them. Right. Yep. Like what does your season look like right now? Is it Raising humans is it pouring into your children? You don't get a do over on that. You do not. No do over on that. I can get a do over on a marketing plan. I can get a do over on a on a um a launch of a program. I don't get a do over on a child going from age two to age twenty one. I don't get it. That's a so right. So during each season, my husband and I would sit down and go, "What's most important to us right now?" Where do we want to focus? What do we want to do together? And then I would look at how could I structure my business around my children and around the other full family goals that we had for that season. And then as they got older, mine expanded because their need of me shrunk. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it allowed me to do, I have no regrets about staying home and scaling my business slowly. Mm -hmm. Because I always made the money I needed to make at the time. And I had to learn that my worth and my value were not based on the amount of money I made. Money that you had. Right. Because it had been part of my corporate identity. Yep. And when you move over to own your own company, that identity shifts and changes. So there's this, who am I now? And like you said, if I'm this person over here in business, well, then who am I at home? And it just got to be a hot mess. Yeah. And I, I mentioned to you before we came on the air, there were times that I literally was in tears, sun up to sundown. Yep. And to the outside world looking in, I had it all under control. Yep. But to me, I, I, you know, I'll just be very blunt. I felt like I sucked as a mom. I suck as a wife. I suck as a business. Like I felt like I was dropping the ball yep. everywhere. Yep. And when I'm with my family and with my kids. You know, I'm thinking about work. When I'm at work, I'm thinking about them. And I shared this with a a client earlier today, but this was the moment that that created a big shift for me. So if I can save somebody from the pain that I created and felt, I'm going to do that by being very honest about it. My son had like a soccer game and he must've been like maybe 11 or 12, my oldest. And I'm at the soccer game, but I got my laptop right because I'm working to be done
1: oh man that's familiar
0: and and this was before our cell phones had all that on them. we're talking almost 18 years ago and he says to me mom did you see that and I missed it like an assist or a goal or whatever it was he did like I don't even know what it was because I missed it (sighs) and at the end of the game he said to me you know what mom he said I'm gonna be honest it's better if you're physically not there than for you to be there and not be paying attention
1: oh no how old was he at this time (laughs) 11 and and it hit me
0: and I at first I thought how dare you and then I thought you know what you have the right to say that because what you're saying to me is mom you are physically here but mentally emotionally you are somewhere else you're gone you are gone and what he was saying was, I can almost make it up in my mind that you're not here, and that's why you missed it. But I have a hard time telling myself, my mom's here, but and she's
1: fair she enough to watch this. Oh, my goodness. That would so, me like a right? truck.
0: It, it did. It, 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 it stopped me in my tracks. And I realized I was trying to do too much too fast. I was trying to put too much into my time. I had overbooked myself. Mm-hmm. I wasn't being profitable with my calendar and with my time. And so that was constantly making me feel like I was never 100% anywhere. Love it. That was kind of the realization. The second realization came in that moment that I realized I had no memory of certain things that my kids said that I had done with them and taken them. Ooh. I was thinking about business. Oh, wow. The way you create a memory is you are physically there, mentally there, emotionally there, spiritually there. Love. You what we call present right. <laughs> and I was only a shell of myself at that time so I have no memory of those things and I realized I do not want to go through my life and have no memory because I wasn't present and to make my child feel like they were not enough in that moment to capture my attention ouch there was no amount of money to me that was worth that okay okay and so This is an extremely painful lesson, but I'm sharing it and just like real openness here Mm -hmm. because it shifted everything for me. So then what I did was I put boundaries around work and boundaries around home so that when I am at work, even though I work in my home, I'm not doing laundry. I'm not going to do dishes. I'm not going to do that. That's home. Right. I'm going to be present in my work. And by being present in my work, it has allowed me to be profitable, Mm -hmm. profitable with my time, profitable with my money. And able to feel like I'm giving it everything. And then when I'm with my family or friends, I'm able to block it and leave it. Now I'm with my husband. So now we can have, you know, a a conversation. And I'm not moving around or looking at my phone or him going, hello. I'm here. I'm here. My kids are, we're laughing together. We're watching TV together. We're playing games together. We are together. We have shared memories now. And I just share all of that, Kate, because I think that's part of profitability is being in the moment and owning when we screw up and owning when we do it really, really well. And the balance is no joke. It's no joke.
1: So you you talked about boundaries and I think that's a word, especially for us, you know, mid thirties, you know, we all have got boundaries. But I think the reality is that sometimes we struggle with boundaries. So you talked about, because a lot of us work from home. We work inside of our homes and our minds are everywhere. So we're at work and we're thinking about the dishes that are in the sink or the dinner that needs to be cooked because the kids will be home in 20 minutes. But if the kids are home, we're thinking about the email that we need to send, (laughs) the stuff that needs to go out because the office is two steps away from us. So how did you master the cutoff And the, okay, I work from home, but I'm not going to work all day from home.
0: So here's how I did it. Again, everybody has to find their balance. I even like to think of it as your center. Like when you're doing yoga, I (laughs) might not have my arms and legs in the same position on both sides of my body, but I'm centered, which provides the balance. So balance doesn't mean equal. Okay. 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 Sometimes we think balance means equal. It right. means centered and able to hold yourself up. Okay. <laughs> right. So a couple of things that I've done and um, suggestions I've given to my clients, mm-hmm. like your audience cannot see me, but I am sitting in my office out the door right here to my left is my family room in my kitchen. Right. So the first thing I've done is I shut the doors. Okay. Because I'm in the office. Okay. I also started looking at what does my husband do? He does not go to his corporate office and think about the dishes. He does <laughs> not go there and feel in guilt about the laundry that got dropped on the floor and not picked up
1: this is very true.
0: by the stairs that didn't get taken up. Right. Not one bit of that comes into his mind because he's not there. Right. And I've had to make an active decision that, that during these work hours, I will block it. So one way I've done it is to shut the doors. Okay. And that blocks it. This is business. This is truly a home office. Right. And that's my life. Okay. okay. That's the first one. The second one is I um a- another fun thing that I've had some of my clients do, you can do it one of two ways. One, we literally had them wear their house shoes up to the door of their office and then put on their high heels and walk into the office. And when they are done for the day, they walk to the door, they take off their high heels, they put on their house shoes, and they move about their house. To signify to them, I'm at work. There's a difference. There's a difference. And (laughs) the third way we've done it is some went and created a beautiful sign that said like, um, office open and office closed. And when they come in, they turn it as a visual and a tactile reminder. Right turn it back. Like we return on the lights or turn right. off the sign if we worked outside of if our we home. Outside of the home. And so that, that's some of the very tactile, kinesthetic, visual things that we can do. Another thing that we can do is we have to be profitable with our time. Okay. And so the same way I teach profit first, which I'll mention in a minute, mm-hmm. profit first really means take what's most important and save it. Okay. That's really what it means. So if you think about that, you've all probably heard the analogy of our time. Take what's most important, and put it in the jar, like the big right. rocks, mm-hmm. then the rocks, then the small rocks, then the right. you know the silt and the, you know, the all that little stuff. And then the water. Right. But what's most important, get it done first. On our calendar, block what's most important first. If my kids had a doctor's appointment, it got blocked. If there was right. something hugely important, it got blocked. But then I went in and blocked time for work. Okay. And what I did is because of now I'm not trying to multitask, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to do home and business at the same time and run back and forth and throw a load of laundry in since I'm not doing that anymore. Right. When I'm at work, I am at work and I focus. And so at the end of the day, if there were things that I didn't get done, I would write them down on a yellow sticky and say, tomorrow's start here. Okay. I left a reminder, I've cleared my brain anything I need to write down or write it down right before I have my clients set an alarm for 30 minutes before the end of their business day,
1: Okay.
0: dump their brain and to write notes for a start here tomorrow. And then I tell them walk away because when they walk away and they have done that brain dump, see Kay, our brains work two ways. One, they work creatively. They solve problems. Right. But if the problem we're trying to solve is don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget.
1: It can't stop. um,
0: You're automatically thinking, okay, I've got to send that email. Okay, I need to not forget that. If we would just take the time to go, don't forget to send the email and write it down. We don't have to fight to remember it anymore, now our brains can work to solve a bigger problem, right. they can be more strategic in nature. So one thing we do is we we defeat ourselves by not taking notes, writing everything down, trying to hold it in our short-term memory, which then keeps long-term memory and then makes us stay up all night trying right. to remember these things, which then makes us exhausted the next day. I mean, it just, yeah, it it
1: just keeps going. It's up. the snowball effect.
0: It's the snowball effect. So... Making a very clear distinction of this is work and this is home, both in hours, location, dress, signage, whatever we have to do, right? Then making sure at the end of the day, you write everything down so that you've cleared your brain and now you go home.
1: So that's really good when we're managing ourselves. So
0: now you yeah, gotta bring that whole family and all this. Why you bring
1: the family in? Because the husband's like, Well, why can't you put the clothes in the washer? You're right there. Or <laughs> the right. kids come in. So and that
0: became a discussion with my husband that said, here's what's happening and here's what's happening to me. Here's how I'm feeling and this is what it's doing to me. Okay. And I cannot do this. And I would say to him, while you're at work all day, nobody's asking you to walk. Th- I mean, I'll, I already have to stop and walk the dog. Right. But nobody's asking you to do all these other things. So why would you expect me to do them if it's my work time? If because if I was at corporate, I couldn't do it. Right. So if I'm at home, I have to treat it as if I'm at corporate because when I didn't, remember when I said 30 years ago, I realized it wasn't making any money or 20 years ago, it was not making any money. It's because I allowed the flexibility, I'm putting that in air quotes for everybody, of having my own business and living at home to allow other people to make demands on my time. The PTA started making demands on my time. (laughs) The homeowners started making demands on my time. My friends wanted to see if they could drop their kid off for a play date on my time. And it was all during my work time. Yep. So I had to go back and say, like, from, you know, 9 to 12, I'm working. Right. No, I cannot do that. I can help you at 4, but I cannot help you between 9 and 12. And so we had to work together. The exceptions are this. I will put laundry on before I start my work day. Okay. I will put laundry on or, or the kitchen or run, do this right. whole thing, if it's during my lunch hour, the same way that my husband would okay. do. The
1: well, way you have job. a lunch at a corporate job
0: then that's when I can say, hey, I need you to run to Home Depot and get something. He can do it during that one hour. Otherwise, he does not do it from 8 to 12, and he does not do it from 1 to 5. That's correct. And so why would I? That's correct. I had to hold the time as sacred for the business. Whatever that time was that I chose, mm-hmm. it had to be sacred for the business. Because if I worked outside of the home, that's exactly what it would look like. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying yours needs to be the whole time. Right, for right. your family in this season and this stage, it could be very different. Right. But even if it's three hours, two hours, it is, it needs to be uninterrupted without us going a thousand directions or it's not profitable for anybody in
1: the long run. Anybody involved at that moment, that is good stuff. That's really good stuff. So we've got the idea that yes, you work from home yes you have flexibility if you decide that that is something that you want so if you're going to be flexible then schedule your flexible time just like you would if you were working a corporate job you know you request time off from your manager if you're working so you know you you
0: make it up later you do other things to to work within that
1: yes to accommodate those things so once you got to a place where you stabilized and you were like okay this is it I'm working, I've got the boundaries in place and the boundaries are starting to work. Then what was next as far as that transition into, okay, my time is a little bit more profitable for me now. What was the next area that you started to focus on to bring some more profitability into what you had going on?
0: So there's this intermediary place after I started getting like Mondays, I'm going to do this. I started figuring out how I was going to calendar and chunk my time so that I also wasn't within my business going from activity to activity. Like I'll do a marketing activity, I'll do a financing activity, I'll do a client activity. It was like Mondays are for clients, Tuesdays are for finance so that I could be a little more structured structured in my thinking, which made me more profitable because I was focusing. That was one thing. The next thing that I did, all of this is even before I got all to the money. Mm -hmm. That's important because time is money. And if I'm inefficient in all of my processes and all of my systems, I'm not going to make great money. Right? So the first was to control my time. Right. Next thing was, this is where I was, this next big place I realized that I was getting myself in trouble. And it was, it was having this honest conversation. Michelle, you think you can do it in two hours, but it always takes you three and a half. Why do you continually schedule two when it takes you three and a half? Michelle, why are you always screaming at your children because they don't have their shoes when it's time to get in the car? It's not because they don't have their shoes. It's because (laughs) you went up to five minutes before you were supposed to leave and didn't remind them to go get their shoes (laughs) that they are. So really, Michelle, this is you trying to overschedule You've underestimated how much time it is, and you're cramming too much into one time frame. And that's why you're stressed, because sweet girl, you just did that to yourself.
1: Oh, man. That is such a like reality check right there, because that's so common. It's because <laughs> you think you're overachieving. It's some kind of badge of honor to say you can do a particular task in this amount of time. But the reality is, from what you're saying, from what I hear you saying, is that when you try to overcompensate for something, and that's not real, you actually do more detriment to what. Oh, it's horrible!
0: Because now I'm sweating, I'm angry, I'm frustrated. Yeah. I'm trying to get to the next thing, and I'm late. It's that. It's that trying to get that one more email in that oh, one thing. When I know that I need to just stop and create some white space. If I can create this white space, I can breathe. I like, clear right. Oh, the breathing room. If I know that I need to give my kids a 20 minute cuz they're four, a 20 minute warning to go get your shoes, then it's not their fault if I yell at them 3 minutes before that's my issue. Right. So it made me when I say taking looking at my time, I mean all aspects. across the board, and really looking at how long does it take me to respond to emails? How long is this really going to take me? And what is my hard stop? And at the hard stop, it's the hard stop. It's not one more email. I'll jot down that I need to send that email, but it's not one more email. It's nothing, and I never built in time for things to go wrong, and something always goes wrong. So I've learned now I add twenty percent to everything for what I don't know for it to go wrong, fall apart, or take longer. Uh, and now i'm profitable so now i show up on time
1: oh now my I goodness it, it just went off it just went off because the profitability in your time is the savings that you've allocated into your time or the adjustments that you've made in your time for the just in case something goes wrong so if nothing goes wrong then you've saved 20 percent of your time which and make be- money and because you are in to take all that that's genius, Michelle.
0: Yeah. Okay. Look, you go buy a house. What are they going to tell you? You're usually going to come in 20% over. 30%. You a house mm-hmm. over. If they need to order flooring for you, we need 20% more yeah. for waste. Everybody builds in waste and overage. But a lot of times as small business owners, we don't think that way. We think I want to give Kay the best price possible. So I'm going to tell her it can be done in four hours. It might take me six. But I'm well, going now to I, I didn't that get that paid hours hours. for yep. two hours. I didn't get paid for. Now I'm frustrated because I also am now two hours behind on the next project. Yeah. So, now what kind of business owner did that make me to ultimately be profitable and sustainable to support Kay the next time she comes back and asks me for something?
1: Yeah. I just killed myself. It wasn't
0: you. But I might, if I'm not self-aware, go, do you know what? Kay's project, it took me six hours and it should have only taken me four. And now I'm angry at Kay when the whole thing I should have been at me. It's me because you did. I own this thing. I timed it. I planned it. I priced it. I did the work. It is my issue. And if Kate kept adding to it and I didn't stop it, that is my problem because I didn't control the scope of work. Pretty much, Michelle, you own the good, bad, and the ugly.
1: The good, bad, and the ugly.
0: Right? And so when I started doing that and realizing I was my own enemy, like I am my self-sabotager, what can I do to stop that? And I realized, give myself grace. Give myself grace in the timing of my planning. Give myself grace in my pricing. Give myself grace. Give my team grace that it's not going to all go together the first time perfectly. There's going to be rework. There's going to be editing. Whatever it is we do. Yep. Then I say price for the time that it takes you, the knowledge, the value, the expertise, so that when I show up to work with you, I want you to feel an abundance, like everything I gave you was more than you could ask or imagine, but if I'm coming at it, skidding in at the bottom and dirt on my knees, it does not feel that way.
1: It does not.
0: And I want to feel like I've given you the best, and the only way to do that is to create space on my calendar to do my best work with my best clients at the best Best price. price. That's how we moved into
1: that. At the best price. And notice she didn't say at the cheapest price. She said at the best price, according to that grace that you well, were. girl, talking. I will never be the cheapest price.
0: <laughs> because, that- because at the cheapest price, I cannot give you value and quality. Yep. And the older I get, right? I'm in my 50s. So there's a couple of years of wisdom there. Yep. But the older I get, I would rather have something that stands to the test of time than to get a cheap, quick, solution that I have to replace every two years Yeah, because every time it will cost me 10 times more than investing in something of quality and value in the first place and that's the same about my offerings I don't have to be the most expensive right but I'm going to, can I segue for a second and tell you how right. to price? all right here's how we price you ready all right we price for a couple things we price for our knowledge we mm-hmm. price for our expertise we
1: mm-hmm.
0: price for our time we mm-hmm. price for our value Mm-hmm. And we price for the benefit we bring.
1: Love it. Okay.
0: Now let let, let me back up on that for one second. Knowledge is what we know. Okay. Okay. So I know a lot because I watch YouTube videos. Right. But that doesn't mean that I can price to like do open heart surgery because I've seen one. (laughs) (laughs) And you really don't want me to do that. Right. You me in that one. So knowledge or um, expertise is knowledge in action. That means I've done it. That means I have solved that problem. I've brought other people with me and I probably can do it faster than I can do it before. So okay. the longer I do it, the faster I get, which is why I don't always want to charge by hour. Right. Because that's the, that means I make less money, the better I get. Right. Let that truth bomb fall on. Yeah.
1: Me. The, I tell people that too. So, I so if
0: we price for what we know. Mm-hmm. And we price for what we can do and that we've already done it with expertise, with excellence. Mm-hmm. As Luann Nagara would say, we've done it with excellence. Right. Then what we're doing is now we're pricing for the time to do it. The convenience. The convenience. Because you not to do it. Yep. Now we're pricing for the fact that I'm relieving your stress and I'm adding value and there's quality. And so, you know, there's all those other kind of intangibles that are now being priced for. I'm not charging you just for the fact that it took me an hour and a half. I'm right. charging you for the fact that it's taken me 30 years to be able to do it an hour an and a hour half. Hour. Mm-hmm. And when we can tie all that into and then create enough time on our calendar to allow us to work with excellence. Yes. And not work as if we're sliding to first base because <laughs> rips in the knees of our pants, right? Yeah? Yeah then we're going to feel better about the clients we engage when we price mm-hmm. to profit. So we're not just pricing to get out of this thing at an even kill, meaning I'm not pricing just to cover the bills and go, right. oh, I survived to make another day. Right. I, I want us to think about making money and profitability that we have to sustain the company. We right. gotta sustain K. Right. We got to sustain your employees, but we got to sustain the company. The company as its own thing needs to make money. Right. Separate from your salary, right? Yeah. And what that does is it allows the company to be sustainable so that it's there the next time the client needs you It's there when we have an economic downturn, you know, it's just a matter of time. We're either coming into one, coming out of one. So, you know, it's every few years, not necessarily like we had in 2008, nine, but, but there are ups and and
1: downs. Yeah.
0: It just happens. So if we don't have like three months saved up in the company, if we don't have some of these things um, that are protections right. for the company, and we're living paycheck to paycheck in our home and in our business. One bad job, we can go under. One bad deal, and we're done. Yep. One employee suing us, and we're out of business. Yeah, out of it. Yep. And so we have to put these protections, and the profitability in our company is what allows us to have the money to
1: do that. Love that. Love that. So it really doesn't have. I mean, you know, yes, the money is the tool that allows you to operate the business and pay for the things that you need. But it's more so about the intangible things, the the mindset that you have and the willingness for you to commit to a process for your business to allow for you to do great work. That's really what it boils down to and not having the idea that, you know, you've got to over deliver for somebody, but instead, because in my mind, what you just said is if I price this way based off of those five things that you listed, then I've got a better quality customer too.
0: Oh yeah. Your ideal client just went through the roof. They, they moved the roof. With you. Yeah. Because the thing is, is, and, and this, you know, we could have a whole nother 10 hour discussion on this, but when we go to sell to our first, we've identified who we are in business. Right. You've got to know your why Simon yes. says, I know your why. If you know your why, you got a mission, you got a vision, and you got value statements. We have a litmus test that says who gets in the door and who doesn't. Right. We identify that ideal client. When we sell to that ideal client, don't ever sell based on price. Yep. That should never be the lead-in conversation. Right. Because the very first thing we talk about is what they think is most important. Yeah. So we always lead with quality and value. Mm-hmm. And we lead with quality and value, and we make pricing second, third, fourth. If we get them to buy in, so okay, if I get you to buy in on what is valuable, the same way that I think it's valuable, and we agree on that, when I tell, us, tell you the price, we're both going to be like, well, that makes sense. Okay. Now I understand yep. where the price came from and why it's that price. Yep. But if I start with that price, and we haven't agreed on the value, you then have a hard time making the value fit the price. Yep. So you start on what you want to be known for and yep. what you want to be most important. And usually when most people work with me, like I don't start telling them my price. I tell them what I do, how yep. I do it, how how I enhance their business, same as you. All right. of these wonderful things. By the time you're done, they're like, I don't care what it costs.
1: I'm going to figure it I out. I'm going to do it.
0: Yep. If we think about that buying behavior, our customer is the same way. If yep. they want it badly enough, They will find a way to pay for it.
1: They'll find a way to get it done. Absolutely. Maybe not right now. But they're going to work towards it. Yeah. And they're not going to nickel and dime you and try to figure out a way to maneuver around what you've offered them because they see the value in what you bring.
0: Or well, we don't have to then maneuver around our own process yep. because what happens is we start to then feel guilty yep. that they can't afford it. So let me give it to them at a lower price, but then we're working outside of our process, which means we start getting frustrated. We're yep. not delivering the best product and service because we now know we're not getting paid. So we start feeling resentful and we think it's their fault when we're the ones who started making these concessions. When yep. we should stood, have stood up and said, you know what, I would love to be able to offer you something different. However, yep. experience has shown me that if I stick to my process, the one that I've created, I can provide for you like an awesome experience and product. But if I break it, I cannot. I cannot and I care it. enough yeah. about you, as my client, that I would like to wait until you can fully invest so that I can fully invest.
1: Yep. I love that. And people respect that. They, they do. When you have those kinds of conversations- The right people respect it. The right people will respect it. And yes. what you talked about with leading with value, I, I come from a sales and marketing background. So we always would start with what we call like top-down selling. And when you're having these sales conversation, the top is always what's most important. It's what the person likes the most. It's that thing that they were attracted to. So you use that as a tool to build a relationship and pull them in- Price never comes up until somebody might say, oh, okay, well, that sounds great. Well, how much does it cost, you know, in order for you to do this? And then you start having a conversation about price. But I am in absolute agreement with you when you talk about lead with the value. Talk about what you can do. If you're not thinking price, I promise you, your customer's not thinking price. And when you have that much confidence in what you can bring to the table and the systems that you have in place, it becomes very easy to say, however... I mean, however, is like your second language. <laughs> no is a second language for you. And when you don't get the client. You're like, okay, well, no sweat off of my back because I wasn't gonna be able to help them anyway because they weren't ready. And it makes life so much easier in your day-to-day work when you're working with the clients that can work with you. Michelle, I love that.
0: And it makes you profitable, right? Because yes. I'll tell you, every time we work with a non-ideal client, or a non-ideal product and service or a non-ideal process because we've broken it all to make somebody else happy. We lose money every time. And that is time that we could have spent working with an ideal client on an ideal product or service at an ideal price, making what we need.
1: So
0: we're just losing money
1: all around. All around. You can't use that customer as a testimony or a case study to get another client. Like it overall just makes... Life miserable for you, yeah. uh, and again, it goes back to that time profitability and that emotional profitability. When you do those things, it takes away from those spaces that you work so hard to create for yourself. So I, I get it. I get it now. So you can see why I named my podcast profit is a choice. Yes. I mean,
0: what it really says is we, if we own the business, we have to own every decision made for and by the business. Yes. So if I own the decision making, I can change it. For example, if I don't like the color of my neighbor's house, I can't do squat about it except go right. or close my window. Like yeah. that's all I can do. But if I don't like the color of my house, I own my house. I can get out and paint it. I can hire painters. I can choose new paint because I own my house. So if we own our business, and I mean own in the deepest and broadest sense of the word, right? Not just, oh, look at me. I've got a bank account or a business card with my name on it. I'm saying we own it then we get to make the decisions for our time and for our money. And that's where profit first comes in on the money side of things is now I get to make, it's a money management system. Yeah. It just says it's like Dave Ramsey in financial peace university. Yep. So if you're, I'm a huge Dave Ramsey fan, we've taught that yeah. at our church, my husband and I, and we follow that at home. It's the same thing. What it says is I own my money. It does not own me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't me. And so I'm going to tell my money where to go the same way you tell your time where to go. So yeah. on your calendar, you tell your time, here's where I'm doing this, here's where I'm doing that. In profit first, it's the same thing. We're going to take out the money that's most important, which is profit in the company, to save it, to keep the business sustainable. Wow. That's what feeds it. And then we're going to manage the dollars. We're going to tell them where to go. Every dollar has a job to do. It can only do one. Right. You only spend a minute doing one thing. Like right. I can't spend the same hour having a podcast with you and having a podcast with somebody else. Right? I've got to choose. My money's the same way. And if I don't look at it that way, it is easy for us to get twisted up. Think we have $1000 and spend it six ways and then wonder why we're 5000 in
1: debt. Oh my goodness. Okay, Michelle. So that's a good segue because you have a coaching program that you offer for that because we talked for an hour about the mental state, but we didn't really get a chance to get into the financial piece. And I think that's, that's important as the follow-up to all of the action that you talked about here, because that's where the action, that's where you really start to see the payoff from the worst. So can you tell the listeners how you can help from that piece. Like once you've tackled the mental piece, what's the next step in working with you to make sure they have all of their ducks in a row.
0: Yeah. And I want to say one of the reasons I spent so much time on the time piece of this and on the ownership piece of this is because if we don't do that, no amount of looking at the numbers, that's never anybody's fun part. Yeah. Right. But if we don't make the decision and do all of that up front, we will never do the rest of it. Yep. But if we start making these decisions, then the rest of it becomes the natural flow. Yeah, and so we get excited I, to, about it. Exactly. And we get excited. I have people who say to me, oh my gosh, I never thought I'd be excited about the numbers. And I'm like literally excited about oh, the numbers. And I, <laughs> I do that. So because it's like a puzzle and we're putting it together for the picture on the box that we want for our yep. business. Right, I'm just going to tell you what the pieces are. So I, I have two programs that okay. that I think would be great for your listeners if they're so inclined. Okay, the first is called Understanding Your Financials.
1: Okay,
0: Understanding Your Financials, and if they go to my website, which is at ScarletThreatConsulting.com, and under Courses, they they click on it. That is the one that teaches you how to read an income statement, how to read a balance statement, how to create a cash flow, how to create a budget what numbers to look at in your company. So it even tells you what the numbers are, what they represent, margins, markups, all okay. those things yeah. mm-hmm. so that you are in control. Okay. After that, the next course that would be a great follow-up is Master Your Profit. And that course teaches the profit first methodology. So that's the money management piece. Okay. The first course teaches you what the numbers are. The okay. second course teaches you how to allocate the money and make it work for you so that you save out this money to go for your salary, this to go for your taxes, this to go for profit, this to go for the expenses. And now every dollar is told what to do in the company.
1: I love that. So Michelle, your website is? scarletthreadconsulting.com. Okay. And they can go to your website up under the coaching piece. And I'll have the link in the show notes, guys. I'm going to get that link from Michelle to make sure you have it, because I think that's going to be really, really important. But make sure you connect with Michelle because we started the show thinking we were going to be talking about the dollars and the cents but what we have learned is that if you don't get your mind together (laughs) friends then none of it matters like you can make as much money as you want you still won't do right you still still won't
0: won't do right
1: right. Mm -mm. and profitability is the whole person like Kay I love what you're doing in this
0: podcast because you're talking about the mom you know potentially the wife the business owner all of it And profitability is about us as a whole person. In the business, it all all goes together.
1: All goes together. This has been amazing, guys. Uh, I know that you are probably like, Okay, I'm, you know, we, we still want us to talk, but we can't. Like, we only we just an hour. have to come back and do it again. We'll just have to have another one and we'll do
0: the, the second half.
1: We'll do the second half. We'll follow up with the second half. I'll make sure I get with Michelle to get another date for her. And we're going to finish this girl talk with the second half to make sure we know exactly how to follow up the mindset piece with the actionable piece. But in the meantime, make sure you visit the website and let her know that I sent you and go and get the help that you need. Okay? Michelle, it has been amazing. Oh, okay, I've loved
0: every moment. This I need fun. to go to Texas and sit there with you and we just should record a like three-hour chat. That'd be you fun. know
1: what? That's the idea. I've not been to Atlanta in a little while, so maybe I'll come to Atlanta, or we'll get you to Texas, and we'll do one video-wise. That time will be cute. that would be fun. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, everybody that's listening. Uh, we're going to wrap up the show. Make sure you head over to Michelle's website, and I will let you know in the show notes where to find the products that you're looking for We'll be back soon, guys.
2: If you loved this episode, Kay wants to know. Please subscribe, if you haven't already, and leave us a five-star review telling us what you loved and what your takeaways were. By leaving your review, it helps us to continue to provide awesome content and book guests that you love and want to hear from. And as a token of our appreciation for your review, we want to send you a gift. Kay's compiled a list of her favorite resources that help keep her balanced focused, energized, and sane, and she wants to send it to you. To get a copy of Kay's Favorite Things, leave us a review, take a screenshot of it, and email it to podcast at kaywhittaker.com, and we'll send it right over. It's that simple. Until the next episode, be sure to connect with Kay on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kay This conversation has been great, and we can't wait to see you on the next episode.